Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and uh, with me as usual, I have Patrick Brewer. I'm feeling a little under the weather today, but I think Patrick's going to do a lot of the heavy lifting today for me. Uh, how are you doing today, Patrick? I'm, I'm finally getting over being sick, too, so that's why we've been on break for so long. Yeah, I apologize to our, our podcast fans. We have been uh, on and off uh, the past week. Um, I've been just fighting off this uh, sickness uh, unsuccessfully, unfortunately, but um, we have some guests lined up for uh, the coming week, and uh, we're very excited to have uh, Craig Goldstein here, the minor league editor for Baseball Perspectives with us today. Uh, how are you doing today, Craig? I'm doing well, and, and I apologize in advance because it, I, I often get that people don't feel well when, I, when I'm around, so <laughs> if this is me, I, I apologize. <laughs> yeah, we were originally well. supposed to do last week, and then I was sick, so it's just we've been, we've been sick around here, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it was probably is probably contacting me via email. Oh, definitely. It'll get everyone. You, you yeah. gave me something through email, I think. <laughs> yeah, de- definitely. The All virus. Right. <laughs> so, so let's uh, start. Just uh, I guess tell us a little bit about I guess uh, baseball perspectives for those who don't know. Uh, kind of what the process is for you guys picking your uh, top one hundred and one list of minor leaguers. Just kind of how you got got to that point. Sure. Uh, so I I'm the the editor as you said, and we have a team of uh, prospect evaluators and interns who who focus on scouting. And so kind of throughout the year, we're always keeping tabs on uh, a bunch of players. And and this goes back to obviously we do a, a top one hundred and one every year and and top ten lists for each team every year. And then. Throughout the year, we're, we're keeping tabs on people, writing reports, uh, filing pieces, and at the end of the season, we start to gear up for our top 10 coverage, because uh, those start in November and carry through. I think we're going to go to the second week in March this year. Um, we, we usually... Um, publishing a couple per week and so once we start digging into the systems to do those top tens we get a grasp of you know who fits where and discover you know some names and and guys that we're really high on and start collating all of that to to put together for the top 101 and we kind of have a senior group of people on the team who we asked to create their own lists and uh, we don't merely aggregate them but we do put them together and then hash out the differences between the lists and and come up something come up with something that the the senior group is happy with and then we bring that to the full team and again have it go through a couple rounds of of critiquing and reordering to try and get the strongest uh, the strongest list possible so how many um, total opinions do you have on the on the list, basically? How many people are huh. voicing That's their opinion, question. I guess? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, definitely in the double digits. I, I, I don't have a specific number for you uh, because, like I said, we do – you know, bring it to the team at large. And then we will also, you know, in our, in our process, we will talk to people outside of BP. It's really important for us to talk to industry sources, to talk to people. Um, we obviously have people who have left BP and, uh, but we're still in contact with, we have other, you know, industry sources that we talk to and we want to talk to people who work for the organizations that we're we're writing up for the top tens as well as the people who um who don't and and because we want not only what the people who are most familiar with the players we're talking about but also objective points of view Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like getting the whole i guess 
as wide of an opinion as you can possibly get? Yeah, I think it's it's not merely about as wide of an opinion, um, although that's certainly part of it, but we want depth to mm-hmm. it and we want yeah. a lot of angles to it that we can then um, kind of filter that those opinions through and figure out not only what's most common, but what resonates with what the people on our team and what we think about the player in question. Um, you know, the, it might be a case where we disagree with what we've heard most often because we feel really good about what we've seen. And, uh, you know, so it, it's something that has to, has to work with our, uh, I guess, overall perspective. And that can be really tricky because of how many people our perspective represents just within baseball perspectives. Yeah, it's kind of a lot of opinions, I guess, to put together into one simple list. <laughs> it is, it is, and that's something that I tried to write a brief little intro before our, our top 101 to, mm-hmm. to let people know that, you know, it, it, it can be a tough question, and it was one I faced a lot uh, when I had the chat the day that we released our, our 101. You know, people say, why was this person here? And I can tell you why I have someone where I would have them, mm-hmm. but the reality is that there are a lot of voices and opinions being reflected in this list. And I think I think overall it's for the better, but it does uh, it can make it tricky to accurately defend because I don't want to speak for someone else. You know, I don't want to speak uh, for if I'm low on someone or if I'm high on someone, I don't want it necessarily to represent everybody. So I always try and put that very specific disclaimer in front. You know, I, I'm only speaking for myself on this, but I think X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I see how it, how that works out. Um, so I guess let's just jump right into it. Um, there's obviously three Padres on your list, as best as I can count. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to just get started with uh, Margot, because he seems like kind of a weird one to me, because I think he's 14 on your list. And I've seen That's him. Right. I've seen him much lower on some lists, like maybe fifty, sixty, and I've seen him around that same spot, maybe fifteen to twenty. So I'm kind of curious about how what what he would be on your personal list and how you guys came up with him at fourteen. Yeah, I I had him pretty high. I had him inside my own top twenty. Um, for me, it's an impact glove in center field. I think he's going to be a plus defender, and his range could be uh, a little bit more than that. He's he's a plus-plus runner, and what I like about him is that it's an impact defense profile, and he's not... He's not giving you nothing at the plate. He, he's, he does have a presence at the plate. He is a thin, or I should say a wiry guy, but he has strength in his swing. He has strength in his body and can still fill out and add a little more. And I don't think it will affect his speed too much. Um, when he does uh, make contact, he's able to put his speed to use, so he's going to be able to pick up some infield hits and, and should be able to support a solid average. And you know, at the same time, he's able to put a charge into the ball, get it into the gaps. He's not going to be a home run guy. Um, I, I really wouldn't think he'd get much out of the low double digits, you know, 10, 12 in that range, um, even in a neutral area. I know Petco, um, it's gotten better in terms of power, but it's still still a tough place to pull one out of. I, I think he's someone who will put the ball in the gaps a little more often. Um, but, at the, you know, all that said, that's a really attractive package. Yeah, I think he definitely has, I don't want to say five-tool five, five tool potential because the power is not really there, but I think that as an all-around player, I think he's got enough of a good skill set to be an above-average uh, regular here in the future. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I mean, his his arm is is going to be about average, I think, and I think he I think he can be a plus hitter, um, you know, something in the two eighty five, two ninety range, and you know, once you're there with with the type of speed he has and the type of defense he can provide, that's a really attractive top of the order hitter. Yeah, I think it's really just what the Padres needed because they don't really have a set center fielder for the future and. They don't really have a set leadoff hitter for the future either, so like, he kind of like kills two birds with one stone there. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any kind of uh, comparison to Margot as far as uh, like a modern uh, major leaguer or current major leaguer, um, huh. just number-wise? Just curious. Um, I, no, it's, and it's a completely fair question. I really try and stay away from uh, comps just because they're okay. dangerous and they're really anchoring in people's minds. You know, you say, if I yeah. say... If I throw a name out there, someone will say, "Oh, you said it." You know, I and and it's and it's not even an active thing. I think once you put a name down as a comp, uh, people just that's what they remember, and mm-hmm. uh, and I and I think that's a totally fair thing to do of them. But I'd rather not put it on these guys. My theory on prospects is they they really need to grow into being themselves and not you know what not someone else and certainly not someone else that a third party projected them to be. Definitely. Okay, that's fair enough. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's not really fair to say, oh, this guy's going to be Mike Trout, or oh, he's going to be Bryce Harper. <laughs> so it's kind of like an unfair expectation, I want to say. Yeah, and even going historical or, or not elite players. You know, if I said, I, and again, this is going to make no sense because this was a, a, a heavy strikeout, high-power guy, but if I said he was Mike Cameron, you know, people are going to anchor on that. And I want to be clear, he's not Mike Cameron. That's nothing I've described about him is, is necessarily like Mike Cameron except good defense. So it's not that, but it, it's really easy to hold that name in your mind as, as you're going forward because, it, you know, the reality is that these are really complex. You know, the, not only are they people, but, but scouting is a complex thing and how it all works together is a complex thing. And so rather than hold all the and, and retain all the information that's that's out there about someone, it's easier to say, oh, he's kind of like this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I'd rather not feed that if I can avoid it. Yeah, I understand that. So um, for you, I guess I've seen Margot and Guerra flipped a little bit on, on top 10 lists. So for you, is Margot the top Padre prospect at this point? He is. He was our top 10, and that was written by Chris Crawford, but uh, it's something I, I absolutely endorse. I, I really think, especially in in that park, that his defense is going to be a really big deal. Obviously, Guerra's defense is a bonus as well. He's got a He's got a big arm and a really good glove, and the intriguing part about him is he's a shortstop who will be able to hit for power, which is, uh, you know, Maybe increasingly found with the promotion of Carlos Correa, Car- uh, Corey Seager, guys like that. But it, it's not that all that common in general in terms of a profile. And so, while I don't think he's going to be the type of hitter that Margot is in terms of pure hitter, and, and you can think about that in terms of average if you want. Um, he's going to be able to hit for power, play in up the middle position with strong defense, and, and uh he should be able to do it in the next couple of years. I, you know, for us, Margot is a little closer. Uh, he's a little bit more of a polished product. And um, while it's not shortstop, center field is obviously still an, an extremely valuable position defensively, and he fulfills that in a really strong way. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. So, do you do you see Margot? I guess playing at all this year in the bigs. I think it's possible. I don't know that they're going to have the 
the need to call him up and they might have the desire to push his free agency back by holding him mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me not not necessarily to the super, not to the uh to June or the super 2 deadline next year but maybe you know the the two weeks that it takes to uh push his entire free agency back a year i you know i can complain about teams doing that all i want because i think it you know a lot of times it's unnecessary time in the minors, and I would like to see these guys in the majors as quickly as possible, assuming that it's what's best for their development. But it's still a reality that for a lot of teams, you know, that they need to retain these guys as long as possible. So I, I certainly think by his abilities, he could be in line for a late season call up, maybe a September call up. But I, I'm not, I wouldn't be at all confident that the Padres would. Um, would grant him that given that it might push his arrival back next year. Yeah, I, I could see it being maybe a month into next year, I want to say, just for that, that same consideration of the, the um, service time. Because I, really, I don't really see the rush this year because the Padres aren't really profiling as anything above, I guess, <laughs> a 75-win team at best. So there's really no point in bringing him up just just because, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think the argument would be if that's where he- he's going to develop best and you want him to be at his peak when your team is peaking. But, you know, I, I can easily see how adding another year of team control is um, a little more enticing than counting on that to work out. Yeah, always. Um, so what are your thoughts on the, on the Craig Kimbrell trade? Do you think that was a pretty big win for the Padres overall? Yeah. I mean, I think it was, you know, dare I say it was a win for both teams. Um, Mm -hmm. Margot was, you know, I don't really believe in prospects being blocked because it's all about opportunity costs and what you can use them for in terms of assets. But at the same time, you know, you've got Jackie Bradley, you've got Rusny Castillo, you've got Mookie Betts um, all in Boston and seemingly for a, a long time. So there wasn't really a direct path to playing time. And so moving him... Guerra was further away, and Xander Bogart seems to be the shortstop of the future for Boston as well. So you're taking these these assets, but potentially they're disposable assets, and moving them uh, for something that the the Red Sox sorely needed, which was a strong bullpen arm. And I, I think Craig Kimbrell is one of the best closers we've seen, in, in certainly in my lifetime. And you know maybe he's not what he used to be, but he's still pretty darn good. And so. I think it made sense for Boston to do. I think they paid a premium for it. And in that sense, it's certainly a win for the Padres. I also think Logan Allen uh, was a nice kind of, I I, I don't want to say a throw-in, but he's a good third, fourth piece in that deal, um, as well as Carlos Oswai, who I think is going to be a major leaguer. I'm not sure that he's a starter, but I think he's a major leaguer and a nice asset to have. And in that sense, you know, to get four, four pieces like that for a closer when you're a team that, doesn't really seem close to contention in the near term uh, I, I certainly think that's a win yeah I, I like the deal because I think what we gave up for Kimbrell and what we got in return for Kimbrell I think we we made out better than before I guess even with the whole Melvin Upton contract still in the books but I think as an organization they, they made out better overall yeah I think that you know the the contract shouldn't be overlooked they they took on a lot of money to to get Kimbrell in that sense, and they paid Kimbrell last year. So they certainly ate some in that sense. Uh, at the same time, if you're a fan, um, 
how much money that they eat um, doesn't really affect you very much. So yeah. I, I generally am, as a fan, I, I encourage every team to eat money to get better talent because it doesn't affect me in any other capacity. So um, it, if, in that sense, I, I certainly agree. I, you know, the guys, you know, I, I still get it mixed up at this point between what was sent for Kimbrel and, and Upton and what was sent for, for um, Justin oh, yeah. Upton. But, yeah. but was it Whistler? Was that the Kimbrel deal? Yeah, Whistler was the Kimbrel deal. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I, I, I really like Matt Whistler. Um, he, 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 his stuff went backwards, certainly. So that, that also is making it look better at this point for the Padres uh-huh. um, in terms of what they got for Kimbrel than what they gave up. But I do think he can kind of has a chance to get back to what he was with San Diego in 2014. And if he can do that, I don't think it's going to be a total loss for the Braves or anything like that. But, um, but it certainly looks better for San Diego right now. Yeah, I wasn't really a huge fan of Whistler at the time, so I wasn't really, I guess, too concerned with giving up the prospects for Kimbrel. I mean, the Upton part was kind of like, eh, but you know, you gotta, I guess, you gotta pay that cost sometimes. But yeah, I, I definitely like the the recovery here and trading Kimbrel away and getting some good guys at the top of the farm. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm gonna bounce over to you, James. Uh, yeah, I had, uh, you know, a couple questions for you about Logan Allen. I'm 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 really high on him. I think that uh, he's. Un, very underrated, and I've seen some projections that he's, um, you know, could could take it to the next level. Do you have any kind of uh, thoughts on him, uh, more specifically on you know the type of uh, makeup he has and the type of uh, stuff that he has? Yeah, well, I don't have any comments on on his makeup. I I haven't seen him um, personally. I don't I don't have any real um, reports on that one way or the other. At the same time, I I think it's fair to say he's one of the top left-handed pitching prospects in in the system, and that can be a little specific, but he might be the best lefty pitching prospect in the system. Uh, He'll throw in the low to mid-90s with his four-seam fastball, has a curveball and a changeup, and um, he does really well with... He's a decent athlete, and he repeats his delivery pretty well. Um, I I don't think it's a top-of-the-rotation upside guy, but... uh, more someone with a limited ceiling, pretty polished, and he could move pretty quickly. So it depends a little bit what you mean by take take it to the next level. If you mean kind of become a, more of a household name and uh, do well in the lower minors, I certainly think that's that's reasonable. If you're anticipating a number two starter down the line, I would probably say uh, to maybe hold hold your horses on that um which doesn't mean he can't it's this is one man's opinion but um mm-hmm. at, at present unless the stuff ticks up um i i would see him more as a mid to back of the rotation guy okay uh and another question i have for you is about uh trey mcnutt who the Padres uh, just had signed uh from the cubs uh very highly prospect uh once in the cubs organization um what uh do you have any information on him i, I understand that the the Cubs at one time uh, chose to hold on to him rather than Chris Archer in the uh, Matt Garza deal with the Devil Rays. So, you know, obviously he has a lot of uh, upside. Um, I've seen some video on him uh, the past week or two in a bullpen session hitting 95-96. So, you know, give me some thoughts on him or if you have any. 
Sure. I, I think, you know, comparing him now versus what he was at the time when the Archer deal went down is, is a, a little bit of a risky thing to do. Uh, he's someone who I, I don't recall. I think he might have been out of baseball last year. Uh, he, he's really gone down a tough path and, and all credit to him for working back and working himself um, up to what you're talking about throwing 95 or in the mid nineties, uh, more recently, I know he's done some work with the guys at driveline baseball, uh, who, who do a really good job of working with guys to gain velocity that they've, they've otherwise lost or reach new heights with velocity that they haven't had. Um, I, I don't have a ton of thoughts on McNutt except that I, I think at this point he's likely more of a relief arm, um, than anything else, and that's if he's able to, you know, retain the gains that he's made uh, through his work with Driveline um, and, and what he's done over the last year or so. I, I you know, it's, it was something where he was, certainly was highly thought of at, at one time, but he's older now, um, and I don't think there's as much development ahead of him as you would expect out of some of the other prospects that we talk about. Okay, but that's fair. Uh, it's you know I think he's still 26, so I'm just wondering if he still has a um, a little bit of a potential or a little bit of um, uh, I don't know what to say, a little more of a development issue. You know he had shoulder issues. Uh, I don't think he was out of baseball last year. He actually pitched for the Cubs a little bit. Um, but okay, you know, yeah. I it's just sure. I, I was just concerned on you know I'm, I'm being a Padre fan. We seem to always be looking for uh, bargains, if you will, and I was just wondering if, if you thought that he would you know, possibly um, be a decent uh, option for the team in the bullpen. That uh, That's obviously something that we are lacking at the, at the moment. Yeah, I, I think he's a potential option there. I, I, and like I said, I, I wasn't sure if it was last year. It was 2014 that he wasn't in baseball. Yeah, um, definitely. But, but he he threw, uh, from what I'm saying, about eight, eight innings for the uh, rookie league at, at age 25. So, you know, mm-hmm. again, it, it's one of those things that certainly if, if the stuff is able to hold in the mid-90s, um, he, yeah, he, he can be a potential bullpen piece. But, you know, 26... 26-year-old guys destined for the bullpen aren't exactly, you know, certainly, <laughs> can someone can someone become uh, Wade Davis? Yeah, I guess that's, you know, you can't really, really rule anything out with relievers because they're so volatile. Um, at the same time, you know, we know Wade Davis as the guy he's become because he's kind of a freak show. Like, he, you know, that was never expected out of him. So I, I wouldn't, I would caution anyone to expect that type of uh, development for for McNutt because the reality is it just generally isn't the case. Okay, okay, that's that's definitely fair. <clears throat> okay, uh, last uh, we haven't uh, talked about Hunter Renfro, the last uh, the third Padre in the top 100. Um, his numbers seem to be up and down. I, I've seen him very high on the top 100. I've seen him very low on the top 100, and I've seen some projections saying that you know he's not going to be anything more than a, an average major leaguer because of his uh, low on base percentage and uh, low average contact uh, percentage um what are your thoughts on him and um if he could be a all-star type caliber um i I know that you don't like to necessarily make a projection on on what he could be but um what kind of bat do you think he has yeah first of all he's he's got a lot of natural raw power um and he does a good job of showing it off i i think he's someone who you know in our top 10 we pegged him as an above average regular in right field and that's certainly nothing to sneeze at we had him on the top 100 you know i i think that 
in my opinion, that, that speaks highly of Renfro. I know it's not as high as he's been in years past. Um, part of that is just the, the talent um, kind of around him. And I think this year was a little bit of a tough one for him. He, he, was, uh, he really struggled to, to start the year, but he, he did rebound on uh, from, from July on. He, he was quite good. And he's someone who I think, you know, you, you mentioned his on-base percentage, and I think that's, that's the real pitfall with him. Because um, mm-hmm. the power is there, but it's the question is, you know, is it going to be worth it if he's making outs, you know, close to seventy percent of the time? Uh, yeah. That said, he's he's I think he's a good athlete in in right field, and he's got a strong arm. And if he can hit twenty twenty five home runs, I think he'll be worthwhile. The question is, you know, if he has an off year with the power, he goes from above average regular to p- potentially well below average. Um, average regular and in that you know if that's the case there's just a lot of risk involved um so he's someone who i think could get to the majors in the next year and a half or so um and and i think he's a he's a very solid i think he's someone who could play every day on on a championship caliber team um and i think he could be seen as a little more than that on a bad team you know he's someone who, who does have a lot of talent and has uh, the ability to put the ball over the fence. Um, I'm not sure I'd go with uh, All-Star, but I, I think that's within his, you know, if he hits his 90th percentile projection, he's he's certainly an All-Star. Um, mm-hmm. if, if you go lower than that, I, I think, you know, the safer bet is what we have as a, an above-average regular. That, that might be mean a, an All-Star appearance, but um, maybe not consistently. Okay, okay. If only they could get rid of Matt Kemp first. <laughs> well, you're talking to someone who loves Matt Kemp, so you love Matt Kemp. I do, I do. Wow, oh, man, um, I'm a Dodgers fan, so okay. I can't, I I can't with Matt Kemp. <laughs> well, I, if you don't have to watch him play defense, it, yeah, was, yeah, I'm waiting for that thing. DH. You know, <laughs> patiently waiting. You hear that report this morning that says uh, Kemp's apparently being shopped, and the Oakland A's are. You guys hear about that? Yeah, I, I, I heard that the, he was being shopped to the Oakland A's. Yeah, I, I it didn't sound like the A's were very interested. I don't know if they're shopping back, but that'd be that'd be. I think that'd be interesting because then he could play DH. Maybe. I mean, I know Billy Butler's there, so they yeah, kind of got uh, that covered. I think but. Orioles would make some sense too. They could use a, a left fielder, and he'd be bad there, but he can still hit. At this point, I would just give him away. I mean, that money, <laughs> that, just with that money, it's like. Ugh. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be returning many, I guess, quality prospects or any quality prospects. So, I, I, you know, it depends if they eat money or not. It's kind of like the BJ Upton thing. If if the Padres are willing to take on mm-hmm. on the money that that it's owed to him, not even if it's not all of it, if they're willing to take on a decent portion, I I, I would bet they could get something. You know, like, like I said, Matt Kemp can still hit. He yeah. had a really bad. Well, he was bad through May last yeah. year. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, when I say bad, I mean atrocious. But yeah. um. But he was, I well, he was one of the top fifteen outfielders in the second half. Yeah. Uh, in terms of hitting, I think as a yeah, DH he could be a, a, a above average player. But it's the the, yeah. def- the defense is just so horrid. It's, that yeah, it's problematic. It's it's bad. All right, yeah. mo- moving on from that, <laughs> I wanted to know your thoughts on uh, any Padres that just missed your guys' top one hundred and one. Like any other guys that were in the discussion. I know Colin Ray is technically still a prospect. How do you feel about him personally? I guess going off of that. I'm not that high on on Ray overall. I 
he's he's fine for me, but he's more of a command guy. He doesn't have the the kind of quality secondaries that I, I, I'd want to see. Um, we can have his best pitches as a cutter and a fastball, and obviously, you know, a cutter is just a cut fastball. And, and while they are two different pitches, it's neither of them are necessarily big swing and miss um, pitches. Uh, he, he definitely has a lot of value as someone who is going to be uh, valuable in the near term, and he should be able to pitch in the back end of a rotation right now. Uh, but beyond that, it's there's just not a ton to dream on. Okay, mm-hmm. do, you, do you like Whistler better than him? I would I would prefer to grant, uh, to gamble on Whistler's upside than than mm-hmm. what Ray is able to provide. And, and I say this uh, completely acknowledging that Whistler was just talk about not missing bats last year he was horrible in that respect um so so i i fully acknowledge that but i do think that was kind of a step back and and i'm kind of hopeful that he can uh regain the quality of his stuff whereas whereas ray is a little older and he you know he's going to be 26 kind of like what we were talking about with mcnutt so i wouldn't anticipate kind of that step forward that i might with with whistler who has shown the ability to miss bats at a much higher level yeah, I think Whistler's definitely got more upside. For me, Ray seems more like a number five starter. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. maybe four at best, but I don't really see much more than that. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But, I mean, at this point, the Padres could use that in their rotation. So. Sure, yeah. sure. Almost yeah. every team could use that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, another couple guys I want to talk about, since we're talking about pitching, um, any thoughts on Austin Smith and Jacob Nix, both drafted by the Padres last year? Their top two yeah, picks. Yeah, uh, yeah. Both both made our top ten. Uh, actually, in that order, seven and uh, Austin Smith and, and mm-hmm. Jacob Nix were seven and eight. Um, you know, Nix I think kind of got a little bit of a higher profile after he was involved in that Brady uh, yeah. Aiken debacle in in Houston, and he's definitely uh, an interesting guy. He was a third rounder uh, for San Diego this year, but I think you know, uh, kind of a little bit more was made of him or he was more recognizable than his stuff currently portends. Um, and so I, I like him. I think there's a chance he's a back-end starter, maybe maybe a reliever. He's got a really good two-pitch two pitch mix right now, uh, plus fastball, average change that could get slightly better. You know, if he can introduce a breaking ball that's effective, um, he's got a great shot of sticking in the rotation and exceeding kind of the roles that I just – laid out for him right now but but as is assuming that he's able to move forward and and retain this kind of stuff i think you're kind of looking at a back-end guy and if that doesn't work um i think a major league pitcher in the back of the bullpen smith is is a little more interesting i think he's got a little more pep on his fastball than the knicks does um kind of you know a plus pitch that that kind of can flash a little higher than that he has the breaking ball that that Knicks doesn't, um, and but lacks the changeup that Knicks have. So they're they're a little different in that respect. Um, okay. I kind of give Austin Smith a better chance of sticking in the rotation at this point, um, but it, it can flash plus and should settle in as above average uh, in terms of the the, the breaking ball. And um, yeah, I, I think he's an interesting guy. He's he's pretty projectable, and uh, I, I'm very much interested in both of those guys and seeing kind of. How they how they move along and develop in re, in relation to each other because I think right now you can kind of put similar ceilings on both of them, um, but but kind of one of my joys in terms of evaluating guys is seeing uh, who's able to develop what and and kind of why that is. Mm-hmm. 
So I see that both are, are listed as number four starter with Knicks possibly being a high leverage reliever. Is that is that the ceiling that you see there? Yeah, and, and like I, yeah, as I said before, Chris Crawford wrote up the, the top ten, but those mm-hmm. are those are ceilings that I agree with um, w- with him on. And you know, it's just something that these are are guys that they're they're pretty young and it's gonna take some time. So there is uh, certainly flexibility in terms of those ceilings. Um, I, I would I would say that if if that happens, it's certainly a positive. You know, you're talking about the 51st overall pick and a third round pick. So expecting elite um, kind of production out of those spots isn't necessarily something we should go about doing. Um, and getting you know productive major leaguers out of those spots it, is certainly a win. So uh, you know again we talk about ceilings and floors and things like that. Um, when I talk about them, they're they're certainly flexible because what we're basing those ceilings on is what we see out of the guys right now, what they've shown they can do, and kind of how they do it and what that projects as going forward. Uh, you know, but we hear about people learning new pitches all the time. If you look at Jake Odorizzi in Tampa, for example, uh, he was a top prospect. Then he was kind of a, a major leaguer, a back-end uh, major league pitcher because he didn't have a pitch to get anyone out. And he's kind of taken a step forward from that since he learned a split change. So, you know, if Austin Smith or Jacob Nix learn uh, or, or have get a new grip on one of their pitches or learn a new pitch that they're suddenly able to miss bats with and they become a plus pitch, those projections and those ceilings tick upwards uh, in kind. Yeah, I think they're both like nineteen twenty, so I think there's still a lot of room, obviously, for development. So absolutely, I would say it's a little too soon to make any sort of, I guess, for sure predict- prediction there. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing. This far yeah. away, you're talking about, you know, just in generalities and kind of what their profile uh, will probably look like. But yeah. th- there are certainly a lot of ways it can break. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let, let's talk about a couple of Padre players that are already basically major league ready um what is what are your thoughts on travis janikowski um as far as uh being serviceable in center field yeah i i think i i think that's the right way to put it i think uh serviceable in center is probably fine i i don't think he's necessarily someone uh who you want to rely on there full time and i think you know for me he probably profiles best as a fourth outfield type Okay. Okay. Speedy type of guy that can pinch hit, pinch run, stuff like that. Yeah, and kind of fill backfill all three positions when you need to. Um, I I certainly think you know if you have to run him out there for an extended period in the wake of an injury, that's fine. Um, But but he's probably not someone you want to be counting on as an everyday starter, at at least as he's currently uh, as he currently profiles. Okay. Okay. I would agree Uh, with that. Yeah, def- definitely. Um, okay, now here's the big question. Here's the Austin Hedges question. Um, what, <laughs> what what's going on? You know, what do you see that bat ever uh, projecting in in order to make his defense? Um, I don't know. I don't know how to put it. You know, his bat is definitely what's leaving him from being a major league um, starter right now. So, do you think that that bat will ever um, project into being able to hit, basically? Yeah, I, I think um, it, it's really going to depend on on how you how you value his defense, right? Because his defense is so good, and for him to be a, a worthwhile starter, his bat. I mean, look, last year was an abomination, but um, his bat doesn't have to be very good for him to be 
valuable enough to be a major league starter as currently constructed. It it has to be significantly better than last year, but that, you know, significantly better than last year doesn't even reach uh, bad. So, so it's worth keeping in mind. I, I think it's also that, you know, I'm not exactly sure what the Padres were doing with him last year. I, I don't yeah. know why he yeah. came up and That's played. My next so, question. <laughs> yeah, I I don't. I wish I could tell you. I don't have an answer for that. I don't know why he came up and then played so sparingly. And yeah. it's not a surprise to me. He really struggled in that role. <clears throat> of course, yeah. He didn't get he didn't get much playing time, and and I think that was a negative a, a negative in terms of his uh, development. I think, you know, there could be some positives in terms of him getting comfortable with the pitching staff and things like that, but he wasn't even playing very much, and it's hard to develop when you're not playing. Yeah, yeah I think four at-bats every, I don't know, seven to ten days isn't really sufficient. It's, yeah, it's really tough. Old. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think that's, again, you're that's a really tough thing for to go through mentally i would imagine yeah uh, and so you know i think i i really i like austin hedges as a major leaguer um i think his defense is extremely extremely good um and i don't think he'll have to be even close to average with the bat to be a starter um, but I do think he needs to play every day to get his bat to the point where he can be a starter. And, you know, that might be a 230, 240 guy with decent pop. And I, when I say that, I mean like 12 to 15 home runs. If he can do that, get on base over, I don't know, maybe 310, 320, I, I'm, I'm kind of spitballing there. But with the quality of his defense, um, that whole package would probably be a starter. It might not be the most appetizing thing in the world or or what fans want to see out of their catcher in terms of offense, uh, but I think it would certainly be provide that value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's definitely that's definitely what I guess you – I don't want to say you could expect out of him. I think that would be the best, uh, best case scenario there. Uh, yeah, I think – I think best case scenario, you could see 250, 260 from a guy like Hedges. Yeah. Uh, but but that's not something I would be going out of going yeah. out on a limb to uh, to endorse. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely hoping they put him in the minors though, since they just added Betancourt, who doesn't have yeah. any options. So that seems like the logical scenario here. Yeah, I, I think it does. I, I really, at this point, no matter where they put him, I just think he needs to play every day. So yeah, if, yeah. if you want to put him in the majors, I, I suppose that's fine, but you, you have to play him every day. Yeah, I don't see that really happening. So I'm, I'm, no, I would I, I'm hope with... they'd put him in the minors. Yeah. And unless there's a trade, which I don't see that happening so late in the game here. No, I wouldn't anticipate that either. Okay, so since we're speaking of, I guess, major leaguers or guys that have already touched the majors, how about Corey Spangenberg? Do you ever see him being anything more than just, I don't want to say a utility player, but I just don't know if he's, I guess, good enough to profile as a full-time big leaguer? Yeah, I think Ceiling is probably a second-division starter, and so that's you know mm-hmm. that's essentially someone who would start on a non-playoff team, uh, but on a on a playoff-bound team or or you know a championship-caliber team, he probably wouldn't be the guy, uh, the the quality of player that they'd run out there every day. Uh, that that's still a useful player. That's someone who who plays every day, and and there are second-division teams throughout baseball, so it's not necessary. It's not meant to be an insult or any sort of negative. Um, but so I do think he has the ability to start uh, every day, but I don't see him being um, 
kind of a regular on on a first division team because he's really kind of a hit for average, an empty average. I would say there's there's not any power there, and he can run really well and he can defend. Um, he can defend at second, but beyond that, there's just not bringing a ton to the table. If you wanted to, you know, if you wanted to say his ultimate ceiling would be like. D. Gordon, yeah, D. Gordon is a first division player with that type of skill set, right? As a, someone mm-hmm. who doesn't provide power, hits for average, and runs really well, plays good defense. But there are a lot more players with that profile, that D. Gordon profile, that fail than become D. Gordon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see him more as like I guess I don't want to say Ben Zobris, but I guess I guess Ben Zobris, but not as good as Ben Zobris. Because, I mean, he can he can kind of fill a lot of positions around the diamond. He's very athletic. So I think he can kind of play that sort of utility role, at least in the long term. I mean, because obviously this year it seems like they're just set with him as a starter because obviously they shipped Jerko out of town. And I don't know how much that had to do with the money or how much that had to do with actually believing in Spangenberg as a starter. But it's definitely looking like that's going to be his role for this year at least. Yeah, I, I certainly think he can play a variety of positions, um, but I also think that he, like I said, he has the ability to be an everyday guy, or if you want to say he's an everyday guy who plays a variety of positions, mm-hmm. that's that's fine by me as well. Yeah, I think there's definitely enough enough there to be a, a serviceable big leaguer for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, did you have any thoughts on um, uh, Lazarito uh, Armentos that's uh, coming out the Cuban uh, 16-year-old? Um, you know, I, I don't have a ton of information on him right now, aside from, from what's kind of been reported publicly. I know um, Jesse Sanchez for MLB.com tends to be the, one of the top guys in terms of international signings. Him and, and Ben Badler are kind of the, the top two guys in my mind uh, when it comes to international information. But I, I don't have a ton of information on him. And at 16, he's, he's, so, he's kind of so far away that... Yeah. I kind of let's see him a little more. Let's see where he ends up and and kind of what the situation is. Because the reality is, with a lot of those international guys, there are reports kind of before they come over, and then once they're in camp, they're they're much different. I mean, you know, like I said, I, I I'm a Dodgers uh, fan uh, from growing up, and so I can relate back to them signing Yaziel Puig, and everyone saying it was a huge waste of money. It was evidence that the ownership group had, had was really stretching, and uh, no one else was close to offering that t- that type of money for him. And you know, he came to he came to camp and was absolutely ripped and uh, hit 500 his first spring and and all of that stuff. So, you know, that the information that's out there can be outdated or uh, just be a little off because what guys look like in showcases doesn't always translate to what they look like on the field. Definitely. That, that's definitely fair enough. Um, you know, have you had any um, uh, interaction um, as far as uh, – it goes with uh, Jesse Sanchez or Bat- uh, Badler about um, uh, Japanese pitchers or Japanese products, the, the infiltration of, of the Japanese players in the major leagues. What are your thoughts on that? And if you think the game will, will be a global game at one point um, in 10, 20 years from now? No, I mean, I, I haven't talked to them about, about anything like that. I, you know, I think, 
I think we're we're kind of already getting there. I think there are a decent amount of of Japanese and and Korean and uh, imports from, and, and that's in terms of the West. And when you look at, obviously, there are a lot of players from Venezuela, uh, Colombia, the Dominican, and Cuba as well. So I, I think it is a pretty uh, global game, and and that you know I. I think we'll continue to see a pretty steady stream of players come come over. Um, you know, I think the Orioles' le- current left fielder uh, is is uh, he came over uh, recently. Obviously, Shohei Otani is kind of the big name that's out there, and I know he I, well, he had a uh, a workout in in Petco, I believe. Um, but I, I don't think it was for the Padres specifically, but it was just kind of a showcase type thing. Um, you know, we saw you Darvish come over. I, you know, the names go on and on. So, yeah, I, I certainly think that baseball has trended that way, and I think it's done. I think it's done that pretty successfully. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it, it's it's nice to to, uh, to be able to get the outside um, players from the Korean leagues, uh, the Japanese leagues, the Cuban leagues, and and really make the 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 sport uh, a universal world sport, if you will. Um, you know, I I was wondering if you had any uh, information on any kind of upcoming um, collegiate players or high school players that are that are uh, coming up. I know the Padres have uh, a lot of high draft picks in the upcoming draft. Was there anybody in particular that stands out in your mind? Yeah, well, so I mean, I, I I have some information on guys who are who are kind of at the at the top of the list right now. AJ Puck is is in contention for the the first overall pick, um, but the the reality of the situation is that it's so far out that you know, especially guys who are non college players, um, we we don't know what they're going to look like in six months or. or four months uh, when June rolls around and, and kind of how they do and what they look like throughout their senior seasons for prep products and junior and senior seasons for for college guys, you know, has yet to play out. And so, you know, it's obviously worth keeping tabs on, on guys like that. But at the same time, I don't really start taking those top 100, top 200 lists of draft uh, guys seriously until – I don't know, probably late uh, April, early May, just because there's a lot of jockeying and there's a lot of people sliding up and down the lists. And so, you know, any information that you have right now could be drastically different by the time the draft rolls around. Okay, that's that's fair enough. Yeah, I, I was just wondering when you guys start to um, scout, if you will, or, or, or you know, kind of take keep an eye out on, on what the upcoming players are going to be available. Oh, sure. Well, well that starts that starts immediately. I mean, okay. The, okay. the names that that people keep track of certainly is is already out there. Baseball America does a great job with with draft stuff. Um and and we're going to be covering the draft um I, I think more in depth than we have in in recent years. Uh, several of the people that we have on our team really enjoy draft coverage. Chris Crawford has always has does a draft book, and uh, that'll be out this year. And he's done it um, for the last few years of the top 100 to 150 guys, and and that'll come out. Like I said, uh, I think in April or, or May, um, a little closer to the actual draft. Um, so we certainly cover that kind of stuff. It's just my personal opinion that. You know, as a fan, it's it's not worth really spending that much time on these guys right now because someone who might be a, a potential first round pick at present, um, you know, 
their stock could drastically change in the yeah. in the next four months. And Definitely. so I kind of I keep an eye on it, but I I don't really invest myself in it until closer to to May. Okay, okay, it's fair enough. Something you need to just be aware of, but not uh, like you say delve uh, too much into it, if you will. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. All right. So the last thing I wanted to really talk about with you, Craig, is is your thoughts on Will Myers. Uh, what kind of player do you think he can be? I know he's had so many injury problems, but hopefully those are now in the past with his last surgery. So I guess we'll have to see. But what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I've I've been a fan of Will Myers kind of since he was drafted by by Kansas City, um, and and he's yeah, I think he's an extremely talented hitter. I think he's someone who has thirty home run power. And, and he has a plus hit tool as well. Um, you know, you mentioned the injuries, and obviously wrist injuries are really concerning um, for hitters just because, you know, how, how strong their wrists are and how much they trust them to work like they did before is a really big deal in terms of, you know, hitting the ball with authority. So in that sense, uh, there is some concern. I, I believe in Myers. He's still quite young, and I believe in his talent. I think he... I think he was good when he was healthy last year, and we saw what he was able to do when healthy in his rookie year in Tampa Bay. Uh, the injuries are obviously a bummer and uh, can certainly affect his quality of play going forward, but I, I don't think they've sapped him of anything um, substantially enough to kind of affect what his ceiling in terms of what we thought he could have been as a prospect. So what would, what would you say his ceiling is at this point, I guess, barring any further injury? Um, I would say multiple time All Star. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, yeah, that's fair. I, I, that, I'm and and you know I'm not sure if I'm an an outlier in that sense, um, but I I'm still really high on on Will Myers. I think he can have a really successful career. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I think it's all about keeping healthy and and getting over that that wrist injury because that that was definitely a big killer. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Okay. All right, Craig, my, my last question to you um, is if there were any player uh, you viewed as a cat as a can't miss prospect that that, that did miss um, in your time doing this? Oh, man, um, I am <laughs> certain that there is. I, if I, I probably could have come up with a one a one on one list of guys I thought were can't miss uh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, if, if I'd given uh, thought ahead of time. I, I will say, you know, obviously it's still. It's still early in his career, but I was someone who was on the Arizmendi Alcantara bandwagon for for the last I don't know four years, okay. and uh, I really thought he was going to be kind of a first division guy. And uh-huh. boy, was was that uh, he kind of put up the Austin Hedges slash line uh, in his time with the Cubs, yeah. um, and, and so uh, that one's not working out for me so well. Um, but I thought, you know, I never thought he'd swing and miss kind of at the rate that he did, and that his defense. And and ability to kind of hit for power despite a smaller frame would at least keep him in the major leagues for sure. Um, and like I said, it's still early in that sense. I don't want to completely quit, but I can't. I can't walk around toting that one as a win. Certainly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I guess the prospects can go either way. They can go down. They can go up. You know, you really never know. They are prospects for that matter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we put a lot of time and effort and energy and knowledge into this kind of stuff, but ultimately we're we're dealing with people, and uh, they can always break in a lot of different ways. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I like to think of the minor leagues kind of like I don't want to say the stock market, but it's kind of like a lot of a lot of volatility and a lot of ups and downs. So it's kind of hard to say for sure one way or the other. 
Yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, it certainly is, and that's why people use, you know, the, you know, they talk about a player's stock rising and falling. I think, mm-hmm. you know, there's a good reason for that. Yeah, it's it's always variable and always changing, of course. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, um, I think we're about done, Craig. I don't know, uh, Patrick, if you have any other questions for him. Um, no, I think we covered everything I wanted to talk about. Okay, we got, awesome. We got a good grasp of the Padres uh, from you, and, and we very much appreciate you talking to us and, and, yeah. and enlightening us, if you will. Yeah, yeah, thanks for talking with me, guys, and thanks for having me on. Of course, man. All right, have a good one, guys. Take care, All right, thank Craig. Thank you so much, Craig. Have a great day. You too. Bye. All right, Padre fans. Well, there you go. We get uh, inside information uh, from the minor league editor at Baseball Prospectus on uh, some of the Padre talent. Um, I think uh, he was pretty spot on on a lot of his assessment uh, on players. What do you think, Patrick? Yeah, I definitely agree with him on on most of his assessments of the guys currently in the system, the guys that have already gone up to the big leagues, and definitely looking forward to this year. <laughs> yeah, there's there's this is going to be a, a very pivotal year for the Padres. Uh, a lot of talent uh is going to be coming in and out and a lot of development needs to be done uh properly and you know with the picks coming up I I'm I'm very excited for the future of this team and uh I think we're just going to yeah, unfortunately we're going to have to be patient a little bit and that's something that Padre fans um aren't particularly apt to do but we're just going to have to be patient, and I, I think that this this franchise is definitely headed in the in the correct uh, direction. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that assessment, definitely. All right, Patrick. Well, I think we are good to go for uh, this podcast. Uh, we have a couple of exciting guests uh, lined up in the next week or so. Uh, hopefully, uh, I can get off my deathbed and, and uh, <laughs> provide some more more uh, entertainment for our listeners. Yeah, man. Uh, take your time. Get better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, well, uh, I think we are all set. Um, if you have any questions at all, you can definitely give us a call or give us uh, – gosh, I don't even – Patrick, take over for me. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, get, you know, follow us on Twitter, Homegrown Padres. That's where James is tweeting from, uh, eastvillagetimes.com. Shoot us, a email, shoot us a tweet, shoot us an email, whatever. Um, follow us on, on iTunes. Our podcast is up on iTunes, East Village Times Podcast. Uh, just Just keep listening. There you Take go. Take care, that's everyone. The, that's all the stuff I needed to get out. I just I apologize. I'm brain dead right now. <laughs> um, thank you so much, everyone. Uh, look forward uh, to providing some more exclusive content uh, for you guys. Um, East Village Times Podcast, signing out. Bye.